Welcome to episode four of The Victors, a Michigan sports podcast. We are affiliated with Between the Whistles Detroit and a JC Sports Network exclusive. I'm your host, Chad Mazegian, joined by my co-host, as always, Jordan Dean. Dude, it's week zero. We got football this week Man, coming I up. I can't handle it. I'm, I'm, like I said, I've, I've been trying to keep myself at bay, but I can't not turn on a highlight reel just to get pumped up every single day. And I'm going to be honest, I don't know about you before we jump into everything, but week zero, I feel the me has just grown over the years. Like, nothing crazy happening obviously but i feel like we've gone from like two or three games now we got i think like 10 on the agenda i think it's like 10 there's a big 10 matchup it's not the sexiest matchup but it's (laughs) nebraska northwestern Mm -hmm. i think wyoming and illinois play Mm -hmm. so you got a couple big 10 teams playing i know florida state plays they play like a high school team but the question it's something i don't know it's not the name either but it's it's cool to have some football back this week and it's cool that there's a couple at least teams you recognize because in the past it's usually a bunch of really small schools and you know you watch it because it's your first taste of football of the year outside of NFL preseason but I mean I'm excited I'm gonna I'm gonna be watching some games this weekend um, on Saturday afternoon and I look forward to it honestly absolutely it's gonna be just fun seeing even the small schools get after it I'm looking forward to the always look I try to watch every Big Ten game we can so Nebraska Northwestern just could kick off the season will be probably an interesting one yeah for sure. So go either way. Yeah, yeah. So Michigan had some big news this week. Um, an NIL deal was released, and it was kind of teased on Twitter. Um, I noticed from a couple players, like, hey, we got some big news coming out tomorrow. And this was on Monday. I think it came out Tuesday. And they're like, hey, we got something going on. So Michigan officially launched their what they call the Ann Arbor NIL Club um, to support the football players on the team. What they asked for, or to be a member of this club, it's $5 per month. Money is equally distributed among the team. That's about 110 players. And what club members get for signing up and paying the subscription or monthly subscription is they get digital content along with experiences, uh, um, digital meet and greets, um, player recorded content, uh, some signed stuff. So it seems like it's something where you pay $5 a month. You kind of get to interact with the football team or you get some some good content that comes from the football team. And really what Michigan's goal is here as a program is to raise about $50,000 a month, equally distribute that among the players of the team. And that's about $450. If they hit their goal, it's about $450 per player per month, which equals about 5,400 something dollars a year. If you know, they hit their goal every month for 12 months. So what was your first thoughts about it? I thought it was pretty clever. Just another way, since we're not kind of doing it the, the way that everyone else is around the country, just another innovative idea. Um, I think it's cool that it's it's kind of it kind of hits for everybody. Kind of those like like a Donovan Edwards who's going to probably get some decent NAL stuff just being who he is. But then maybe the backup tackle may not get some love. So the fact that they can just get that distributed to him and does like just a thank you for being part of the program is a cool opportunity. Yeah, and I think it's a it's a good recruiting measure, and maybe not so much for those top end recruits, which are obviously the ones you really want to get. But when you're filling in those back end with you know those three star kind of guys that you know you know they're not going to maybe be a key piece right away, but they're guys you can kind of tuck away as depth, and they're going to develop as they you know go year over year in the program. And at least they get something because a lot of those depth guys, those young guys that don't have a big name for themselves coming out of high school. They're not getting paid anything. They're not having an opportunity at NIL deals. So this at least is the school recognizing they're not the first school to do this. Um, as we've noted before, Michigan's kind of behind on the NIL stuff. But this is a good step to at least 
get everyone involved in the school and then it still gives you know their bigger players their more well-known players an opportunity to get nil deals on their own as well this helps everyone kind of get involved which is um it's a good start for me everybody eats everybody eats mm-hmm. which is always a good thing for a football program all right another thing that was released actually earlier today was the initial senior bowl watch list and we had nine wolverines on that list that included wide receiver Ronnie Bell, wide receiver Cornelius Johnson, tight end Eric All, and uh, Luke Schoonmaker. No shock, uh, surprises there. Uh, we've noted our love for the top two tight ends on the team this year. Uh, offensive lineman Ryan Hayes and your boy Aluwatamai, but the well-regarded center. Um, uh, and then you have a couple defensive players, Julius Weshoff, which was kind of a surprise, uh, as you noted earlier. Taylor Upshaw, the defensive end, and then Mike uh, San Rastill, uh, Michigan cornerback. So nine players represented on the watch list. I know a watch list doesn't mean much, but at least these are guys that are kind of identified as, you know, could have potential big seasons and have a chance to try and, you know, pursue a career in the NFL after they finish their career at Michigan. No, yeah, I think most of the – I agree with most of this list. There are some that were a little shocking. Like to me, Julius Wilchoff hasn't really done anything to kind of sh- be on that list. And I, if they want to say he's going to have an eye upset, I'm not going to complain about it. But to me, I would have placed him with Mozzie Smith out of those uh, in, that, in that look. Everyone else, Taylor Upshaw. Mike Sanders was a little bit of a stretch too because he just converted mm-hmm. as a defensive back. I mean, it's going to be his first season really playing right uh, defense. He's been playing receiver for us. So. And I wonder if some of this comes down to the athleticism. Because even right. I noted with Ronnie Bell last week, he was kind of my player profile guy. I mentioned how he could be a key role or important player to this team. But at the same time, he hasn't done a ton to really prove that he's going to be an NFL type caliber player. So, you know, there's a little bit of stretching with this list. I agree with you on a couple of players. And I agree with you that Mozzie Smith was definitely kind of gypped, I think, with his athletic profile. Again, not a player that's done much, but comparing it to some of these other players that haven't done much, Mozzie Smith, to me, has an NFL athletic profile. Yes, absolutely. So it'll be interesting. Obviously, this list is going to change a ton um, for for all different schools that are on this. And there's a ton of players on this list, that way more players on this list than they can roster in the Senior Bowl. So it'll be something to kind of monitor as the season goes on. Obviously, you know, anyone who watches every game is going to kind of know which senior kind of deserves to be there, which one doesn't. But I, I'll guarantee you this. I guarantee you Ali Wadamadi, the center, um, Shoemaker, and Eric all are locks to be in that senior bowl next year oh, Al, outside yeah, of some injury yeah, that makes right. them play another year in college. But they are all high-caliber players at their position, and I expect them to have you know a, ch- a chance at a good NFL career. Uh, you're not wrong, sir. All right, we talked about our offensive player profile last week. Um, And obviously, uh, we talked about how we're going to do defensive guys this week. Uh, Last week, I had Ronnie Bell, uh, Jordan, you had Adu Udamati, however you say (laughs) it. I've said his name way more than I ever will say it the rest of the season, (laughs) let's be honest. Get to know it, Chad. Next time I'll say it will be in the draft uh, process (laughs) uh, next spring. Um, But for my profile uh, profile player this week, I'm going with uh, Rod Moore, the safety. Um, When we talked on the defensive side of the ball a couple weeks ago, you know I was big on him. Um, I just think, you know, from an importance role in our defense, I feel like Michigan's defense is 
especially recently, always had that dog in the secondary. Uh, obviously, Dax Hill the last couple of years. You had Jabril Peppers before that. Um, they've had some dogs at corner like Jordan Lewis. Um, so a lot of good things to come out of. Uh, and uh, It's important for the defense for it to be successful that they have a safety that can really ball hawk back there come down and play in the box a little bit if needed. And I think Rod Moore's that guy at six foot 185. Um, you know, he didn't get a bunch of playing time last year as a true freshman, uh, but he did start in, uh, for, uh, in the Ohio State game uh, due to injury uh, to um, – was it Dax Hill or was it Hawkins? It was it, – it was, I don't think it was either one. I think it was someone no. else because Dax played in that game. Dax did play in that game. He, he played in a lot Regardless, of Regardless, I know, I know Rod Moore started in place of uh, someone escapes my mind right now. Um, but he went in there and had a career high nine uh, solo ta- or nine tackles, including three solo. Um, just was all over the field against a highly regarded, fast Ohio State offense. Um, I know getting into that game, you know, le- listening to some analysis going into that game, uh, that was a, a picking point for a lot of people who picked Ohio State. Like, hey, Michigan's kind of they're starting a freshman in the back end. Not good when you're playing receivers like Olave, Garrett Wilson, with C.J. Stroud at the helm, obviously. So he's a guy that proved that he can he can play with the big boys. He's fast. He's athletic. He put on some weight this offseason. Um, and I just think he's one of those guys that can really transform the back half of the defense. And I, I do think he is a key player on the back end and probably the most important player on the back end. Um, and Rod Moore would be my – profile player to watch on the defensive side of the ball this year. No, I think that I, I think it's an excellent point, Chad. I to me he's he's like a hybrid of Daxton Hill and Jabril Peppers. Like he hits like Peppers when he, when he comes downhill. He's not a linebacker, but he has that ability to like line up anywhere he needs to on the field, but he can also cover like Daxton Hill. So like he he really could be the, a, a great mixed bag of the two. Will he be as high outside of those two? Time will tell, but I think his his physical ability is is through the roof. Yeah, and going back to athletic profiles, I think he's definitely got it to be a high a high caliber player at the college level for sure. Um, and yeah, I think I think it's going to be exciting to watch him. Um, he's he's got a good instincts for the ball, not afraid to get dirty with tackling, as which is sometimes what you worry about from safeties and corners. Um, they're not always not all of them are uh, as easy to come up and deliver some hits. So it's good to see he's an all around player um, with some high upside and. Time will tell whether this is a correct analysis or not, but I'm I'm all in on the Rod Moore uh, stock. And for you, Jordan, I know you have uh, someone a little bigger on your uh, just your, a, uh, just a, just a smidge. Uh, I'm talk. I, I like my dude uh, Mike Morris. Um, he's a uh, coming in, really going to be one of our edge rushers, and just starting on the edge. He's at he gained a little weight this year. He coming in at six six two ninety two. I think he played around like two eighty five last year. Uh, so he's gotten bigger. Um, his, his stats, he, he, he was a rotational guy, so he didn't get on the field a ton just based on the fact that he got a job on Aiden Hudson who take 90% of the snaps. Um, so this is kind of be his prove-it year. Uh, he's had a lot of opportunity to learn. Um, but to me, like, he's got a phenomenal first step. He's very explosive off the ball, great with his hands, um, very instinctive plays his gaps he, he just he does what the defensive end is supposed to do he doesn't make mistakes and when you can consistently down in and down out down out do those things production's going to come um the question mark can he get after the passer we'll find out 
Um, I, 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 his past rush ability, as far as his moves, from what I, you know, the little bit that I saw, he's, you know, he's got he's got one or two very good moves, but he needs to add a little bit more rep to his repertoire to uh, get after it. And I'm excited to kind of see how he take because he'll play both sides and see what, how the defense. How uh, Coach uh, Minter wants to deal with, deal with them. Yeah, and you're not the only one excited about him. Jim Harbaugh has publicly said how he's excited to see what Mike Morris can do this year because, you know, the offseason question has been uh, surrounded who can replace Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo, obviously two of the best uh, rushing ends in football last year. Um, and Michigan has to replace both of them. So Mike Morris has been a name that's uh, been tossed around by the coaching staff, Harbaugh and uh, Minter specifically. When they get asked those questions about replacing those two studded uh, defensive ends, so yeah, I'm excited to see. I think he's got the uh, size and the athleticism to be a good end. Um, and like you said, if he can really work on crafting a couple more pass rush moves and add it to his repertoire to use against offensive tackles, especially the the better ones they'll see later in their schedule at you know Ohio State, Penn State, Iowa, guys like that, schools with good offensive lines. Um, it'll be it'll be fun to watch, and he's another player that I I definitely agree. A lot of people should have their eye on this upcoming season. All right, now kind of what you know. This is the exciting part of getting into the season, season predictions. And obviously, we'd be doing a disservice if we didn't give our predictions on the season. Uh, Michigan has upcoming. Obviously, kicks off next Saturday against Colorado State. Um, but Jordan, I, we'll start with you. Michigan, where what record do you have Michigan finishing with, and where does that place them in the Big Ten? So, uh, right now, my gut is saying um, eleven and one. Um, I think we get it done against Michigan State this year. I think we get it done against Penn State. Um, I do think we go on the road and beat Iowa. Um, my gut saying we are eleven and eleven and zero going into Ohio State, and uh, we might fall short in that one just based on. It's tough to win in the shoe. I kind of see this going to be the the going back to kind of the back and forth of win loss win loss type of approach with them. I think we kind of got over the hump last year, but I obviously want them to win. But I'm not going to come out on a limb and say uh, we're going to go into the shoe and uh, get that done. So I would say we probably come out second on the Big Ten. Okay, so 11 and one, second in the Big Ten East, which means unfortunately the way the Big Ten set up, we would not be returning to the Big Ten championship game. I myself have them at ten and two. Um, I'm still nervous about that Iowa game, not because I don't. I do think Michigan's better than Iowa. I kind of noted last week, though. I really think there's just a lot of a, uh, a lot of things going into that game that just yell trap game to me. First game on the road with a younger team, especially on defense, hostile environment. It is always hard to play at Iowa, um, and I don't know. I just. I think they're going to lose somewhere other than Ohio State. I agree with Jordan. I think going into Columbus is going to be really tough. Ohio State's going to be extra pissed off this year because they got manhandled last season. They really um, did. <laughs> yeah, so it's just Ohio State's going to be really tough. A lot of NFL caliber players on both sides of the ball over there. Potentially um, the Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah, So, and not that Michigan doesn't have some high caliber players, especially on offense, but I just don't know. I think – I don't think it's going to be a blowout like some people expect because some people are just thinking like Ohio State's pissed they're going to roll Michigan this year because of what happened. I don't see that happening because Michigan finally got a taste of what it's like to beat them in a long time, and I don't think they are just going to roll over handily. But I'm going 10-2, and also a second-place finish in the Big Ten East, um, which would miss out on the championship game. 
Who's, that, I, who's that second loss? Second loss, I'm going to go Iowa. Okay. I, I am nervous about that Iowa game, okay. just all the things going into it. Like I said, I do think Michigan's the better team, but okay. I've seen good Michigan teams. I've seen good teams, better teams than Iowa go into Iowa and lose. Um, there's, You know, that Iowa team. That would be the one that we can afford to lose. It would be, you know, being able to bounce back. Um, but I agree with you. I do think there's a great opportunity that both teams could be 11-0 going into that Ohio State game. I want to believe that Michigan can get past Michigan State this year, um, not being a slappier homer. Michigan is the home team. They've gotten, you know, they've given lost two close games in, uh, in the Tuck, Tucker era. I just think they can put it together this year, especially with the offense. I think Michigan's offense is going to be a little too much for um, Michigan State's defense to handle. I do think we beat Penn State at home. We always beat Penn State at home. <laughs> um, it's mm-hmm. usually on the road that it's a little more iffy. Um I just don't know. Outside of, like I said, outside of Iowa, I just don't see. Uh, yeah, we better show up for Indiana on the road against Indiana. I mean, that's like to, to me. They play Michigan tough. They and do. It's not even, you know, they could be really bad that year. They could be matter. really good. Yeah. It doesn't matter. They, they always seem to just mouth. play yeah. Michigan very tough. And there's yeah. been a couple close calls with them in the past. So, yeah. um, and watch out for those UConn Huskies, man. I mean, <laughs> we're going to be plus. Plus 50, you know, going into that game. And no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I got them 10 and 2, second in the Big Ten East, probably making a New Year's Six Bowl and all said and done, just because obviously, if you're not winning the conference, you're not making the playoffs, um, most likely. Um, unless I guess Ohio State was to go lose in the Big Ten Championship. But I don't see really anyone on that West side that really is capable of probably beating uh, the top three or four teams in the Big Ten East. Um, but yeah. So getting into a little more of it, you know, you're 11-1, 10-2, obviously both looking at double-digit wins. Who's your best player you got this year overall on the team? Right now, um, I'm, I'm not going to go the quarterback route because I actually think uh, we might not know the starters until we actually hit the field against Iowa. I think we're going to go back and forth the entire year until then. I agree with you. I think it's going to be like kind of keep JJ happy, getting them reps. Yep. I expect – even if they don't go into these first three games with, you know, a rotation per se, I don't expect Cade McNamara to ever touch the field in the second half. Like, it should really be right. dedicated reps to J.J. McCarthy for a good portion of the third and maybe a little bit of the fourth and then really get your third or fourth string guys some time on the back end because there's really no reason Michigan's not going to be favored by 30-plus points in these first three games. They should trounce UConn. UConn's one of the worst programs in Division One football. Hawaii, not great, and Colorado State. They're not going to last very long. I still think we trounce Maryland too. I mean, I I, I think we put up a lot of points against them. Now they, I, they will score. I say I can yeah, see that. They won't. Too. It may not be like a. I don't expect to see our backup backups in the right, big ten right. games right. usually. Yeah. First three games, especially against the yeah. opponents we have, I could definitely see some a lot of young guys that you never even mm-hmm. heard of getting time. But yeah, back to uh, your yeah, best no, player. absolutely. So right now, um, my gut saying Blake Corum. Um, I think he's. He's gained 10, 15 pounds from uh, – he, he looks he looks like a tank. Um, he's just – anybody that can come out of the backfield, anybody that can touch the rock and go the distance, I mean, he's, just, he's a 4-4 guy. Um, I, I, he's, he makes people miss in the open field, never goes down on first contact for being a little guy. I think he's going to be our uh, best offensive player uh, this, this season. Well, that's not uh, – that's a good prediction because uh, actually – the Big Ten Network's been doing their top 30 players going into the year, and they had Blake Corm coming at number five the other day uh, overall in the Big Ten. So, obviously, a lot of uh, rating or people 
with high regards. Uh, he was on some watch list as well for, I don't know what the running back award is off the top of my head, but they had him ranked second or third on that list in the nation. So um, a lot of high expectations. We've seen a lot of good stuff from Quorum, both you utilized running and receiving. He can do both, very versatile player. So I agree. I'm going to go opposite, though. Staying at the running back position, but I'm going Donovan Edwards. I think the guy is a superstar in the making. I am in my dynasty football league making sure I have a 2024 first-round pick when he's eligible because I want him on my fantasy team. But for real, I think his ability, his vision to run, he's patient. He can run between the tackles. He can run outside. And even that, if he wasn't a running back, this guy could be starting at a D1 school as a slot receiver. I mean, he's he's just so good all around. He's got breakaway speed, and I think, to me, that's where he edges out Corm a little bit. Corm's probably a little bit tougher in terms of he can probably get a little more push with his body, a little more trucking ability and things like that, although Edwards was put on some weight. But from what I've seen on the field thus far before going into the season, what I saw last season, I think Edwards has that home run speed, which Corm – has been caught from behind a couple of times. He's fast, but I don't know if he's got that extra juice like Edwards has. And I think Edwards is a very, very reliable receiver, whether he's out of the backfield or lining out, uh, lining up in the slot. So, oh, he's definitely a problem. Um, there's no, there's no doubt about it. I, I, I would not be surprised if he is one of the best backs in the country by the end of the year as well. It, it's a great problem to have with Michigan having arguably the top two top five backs in the country. They're going to have a great tandem. I really expect the offense to get creative with having them both on the field a lot together, uh, creating fits for the defense. Maybe a little wildcat. Wildcat, I would love that. Um, you know, we we saw, know Diamond can throw the ball. I say we saw Champions. Edwards bomb in that Big Ten championship game, well, you, so that's for and, sure. And 100% run. We'll find out. Yeah, so yeah, I'm excited. Um, and, yeah, like you said, it's a great problem to have when you have two running backs that are highly regarded uh, going into the football season. Uh, with that said, do you have a breakout player in mind for Michigan this season? Uh, breakout player uh, for me um, is I'm just going to stick with the guy, Blake Horham. And Blake I, I think he's going to at least – I'm thinking 1,200 yards, thinking 750, 800 in the air uh, through the receptions. I'm calling double-digit touchdowns. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because I can see a lot of games where Edwards and Corm both rack up a ton of stats, but, like, it's like – you think of the stats they could have, and then it's like, well, wait, they still got to share time. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's so crazy to think, like, how many weapons they have. And then you think, okay, outside of the running backs, we still got to get the tight ends and receivers involved, which are both talented groups, as we've mentioned before on the show. So uh, I'm going to flip to the defensive side of the uh, ball. Well, I do think Edwards, you know, being my best player, I do think, you know, he kind of broke out last season. We saw what he's capable of. He put it together big in some games. I'm going with Rod Moore, like I just talked about uh, on the defensive side of the ball on a player profile segment a few minutes ago. I just think this guy is a guy that, you know, hasn't done much, obviously, just being a um, in his second year. Didn't start much last year, got some playing time, got to start at Ohio State, had a pretty nice game. I think he's going to put up together one hell of a season, um, and he'll be a true breakout player with multiple um, turnovers, uh, high tackle rate, you know, just being the starter and playing the full 13-game schedule. Um, I think he's uh, – or 12-game schedule, whatever it is. Um, I think he's a, a player poised to break out that, you know, not many people have maybe recognized to this point. Uh, best offensive player, I'm guessing you're sticking with Corm for that too? I mean, it, it, it's, it's hard not to. It's right? hard not to, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I'd have to go Edwards too for the same reasons. not going to bore people. Uh, I had him, you know, rate as my best player. 
best defensive player. Rod Moore for me, like I said, um, just for all the reasons I've listed previous. So, mm-hmm. defensive player for you, Mike Morris, or you got someone else in mind? I actually think um, I'm going to go with our one of our linebackers. Um, I, I had it pulled up, and I, I apologize. Um, Colson is who I is, is Junior who, Colson. Junior, yeah, Junior Colson is who I'm talking about. I think he's going to uh, really. He's sideline a sideline guy, and I think he's just a great tackler. So I think to me he's going to be our best defensive player. Yeah, and most important player, I'm going to go with your boy, uh, Awadamadi. Yes, he yeah. said it again. Don't, don't <laughs> want to say it ever again. Um, and for that, if I could give the most important player to a group, it's going to be the offensive line. I would say all five of them mm-hmm. or the whole position group. Uh, but I'll single out the center just because, you know, Michigan likes to run the ball, especially inside. They, they make a living in the A and B gap. Like you said, they're still going to run their sweeps, counters, um, stretches, and things like that. But Michigan wants to move the ball right up the middle, um, and he's going to be a big part of that. And I think for Michigan to have a successful season, the season they want to have or attempt to have, they're going to have to run the ball, and it's going to start with those big guys moving the defensive line and getting to the linebackers up front and getting their running backs one-on-one with the uh, second and third level to make big plays. Um, so that's who I got as my most important player for 2022. Yeah, uh, maybe I'm not answering this question the way you want it, but uh, I'm going to split it just in the quarterback room in general. Um, I don't care who it is, if it's Cade McNamara or J.J. McCarthy. It's going to be both. I it's going to be both. Yeah. Um, so uh, to me, whoever's on the field, take care of the ball, make the right read, don't miss your shots. Um, and be smart with the be ball. Be smart, yeah. Not so much a uh, get, a, get Cade, us out of a, but yeah, more J.J. Right, get, get us out of a play if, mm-hmm. it's, if it doesn't look good those type of things. Um, so I, I, to me, we go as they go, obviously the offensive line we talked about, doesn't matter who you got, if they can't protect and run the ball, but those two uh, need to be um, exceptional to us to get back to where we want to go. Gotcha. And now to finish this off a little bit, we talked about all the great players or, you know, we expect to have great seasons and expect high, high expectations from, what, and it doesn't have to be a player, probably more position group would be a better answer for this question. Who's the biggest weakness or what position group are you most concerned about? I know we've kind of talked about our answers offensively and defensively over the last couple of weeks, but which, which one concerns you the most if you're going to rate it on both sides of the ball? I w- I'm going to go the biggest weakness just because it's just so unproven is our defensive line. Yep. Um, I, I think we have the dudes to be great. But we don't have a lot of a lot of tape. To I say, until that. you see it. Until right. you see it, like on paper, like check, check, check. Show check. me first. Exactly. So I, to me, going into this season, it's you. How do you replace? The question is, how do you replace David Ajabo and Aiden Hudson? We'll find out. Yeah, and I, I'm going to stay on the defensive side of the ball too, which is no surprise given the turnover on defense in general. But I'm going with the linebacker group specifically against the run, um, especially some power teams. Um, we've mentioned it before as well when we did our defensive breakdown, but this year it's exciting because we have linebackers that are a little more athletic, a little bit smaller, but a lot faster. So we're going to have guys that can really stretch around the field, get places fast. Um, but how are they going to react when they're playing teams running right at them? Are they going to be able to get in there, initiate blocks, get off blocks and get tackles? Um, so that's that's my concern. The linebacker's a little smaller, more athletic, which I find um, intriguing and encouraging because, uh, you know, Michigan in the past has always had big, bulky linebackers a little on the slower side uh, at times. Um, so I'm excited they're kind of getting away from that in a sense, especially when you play the spread teams like Ohio State in our uh, conference. But um, that's that's where my biggest concern is at the moment. 
like you said, show me first, right? Exactly. We'll find out. All right, and with Michigan predictions, now comes just Big Ten Conference predictions overall. Obviously, you know, we have Michigan both finishing second to Ohio State, Ohio State winning the Big Ten um, East. Who do you have Ohio State playing in the Big Ten Championship? Because I'm assuming you have Ohio State winning the Big Ten overall. I, I unfortunately, as much as I don't want to admit it, I it's just the reality. I feel like is what we're heading into. Coming out of the West, um, I think for me this season, I think Iowa does it again. I'm with I'm with you on that. Um, I I I I just don't see. You know, it's not really loaded. Uh, the the surprise could maybe be Wisconsin, but just looking at it, I would say Iowa can get back there. They re, they return a ton on defense. They play that's what they do at Iowa. They play defense, stop their run. They got to figure out their offense. But if they did it last year with that putrid offense, they could probably do it again this year. I'll say it again and again, but it's kind of a mute point with all the stuff that's leading to twenty twenty four with the conference exp- ending. But this. These align. This division has been in need of a realignment for Absolutely. so long. I agree. With you. The East is so overpowered at the top. You know, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State. So much better than the top. I mean, I get Wisconsin and Iowa are kind of always up there, but they're always then up there by a, default. Then there's just the, the drop off. The yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so we both have Ohio State beating Iowa in the Big Ten championship, meaning Iowa wins the West. Um, but more of an interesting conversation. Who's your most overrated team going into this season in the Big Ten? This season, um, I'm going the team in East Lansing, Michigan oh, State. Shots fired, uh, huh? I, I think they, friendly rivalry going uh, on. Sorry, Sparty, you're going eight and four this year. Um, that's just how I feel about it. Um, I think your offensive line is not very good. You lost Kenneth Walker, and you're not reloading the position very well. Um, you have a great, you have a decent receiving core. Your your secondary sucks. Um, Can their secondary be worse than last year though? When they're not even if they get slightly. It, no, you can't get worse. <laughs> but your upside, you're not going to go from dead last to middle of the pack. I think you're still going to struggle back there. Still going to struggle against the good teams. Exactly. So team I, I, I'm seeing eight and four. They're my overrated team. You're not going to be. You might sneak in a top twenty-five, but I think uh, I'm not just saying that because I I'm a Michigan Michigan State rival. I just. Realistically, don't see them winning more in their games. Gotcha. My overrated team is going to be the Wisconsin Badgers. Um, they always just seem to be that team that is rated so high every year. They are even one of the few rated Big Ten teams this year. Yep. But they always, I think for one, they get overrated because they always have, or, you know, running back use sort of thing. They've produced a lot of good running backs out there. They usually have a solid running game. They usually have a solid defense, especially against the run. But here's the thing. And it's kind of similar to Iowa, but I think it's worse than Iowa the last couple of years. When Wisconsin is forced to pass the football, Yikes. they don't look like they're even a Division One team. <laughs> Grant Mertz is a sorry excuse of a quarterback. I'm sorry to say it. He's not very good. And they just they don't throw the ball well. It's kind of like Iowa. It's just can they get receivers yep. at their school? Can they get you know solid quarterbacks at their school? And I get Wisconsin's got a better track record with Wisconsin or with quarterbacks in the past than Iowa does. But at the end of the day, I just think when Wisconsin plays average or you know above average teams to really good teams in the conference, they struggle because if they can't run the ball, they really don't have anything they can do. So I would respect the hell out of Wisconsin's defense. I do too. I, I think Wisconsin's every year defense they have is very good. That Leonard defense, the coach Leonard over there, I, I'm surprised he's not head coach by now. He's mm-hmm. he's the real deal. 
Yeah, and their defense is not why I'm calling them overrated. It's definitely the offensive side of the ball, and it gives me Michigan vibes back in 2017 when we had a hell of a defense and we could not score the ball and support, you know, support them. Obviously, we still had a really good season, um, but it just gives me that kind of vibes. I just don't think when it comes down to it, if Wisconsin has to pass the football to win, it's not going to happen for them. When they play the best teams in the Big Ten, they're going to have to pass the ball to have success, and that's just not going to happen for them. So, and screw Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> Your most underrated team for this year. I'm going row the boat, man. Mr. P.J. Fleck out at Minnesota Golden Gophers. I think uh, they reload a lot. I'm t- I feel like Tanner Morgan's been there for 17 years. Uh, their their running back is one of the best in the country, um, Mr. I- Abraham or however you say his name. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's just very explosive. Have you seen their offensive line? Big boys. They average like 380, 375. Like they're massive human beings. Mm-hmm. So they want to run the ball over there. I just I think they're 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 a sleeper team. Their schedule's very very favorable for them, and their division's favorable. It, exactly. You know, if they get if they beat the two meaningful teams on their schedule, they are on the they are on the road against Sparty and on the road against Penn State this year. But they do get Iowa, and and they got to close the year out. Uh, Iowa at home, Wisconsin on the road. So they really could like they could go into East Lansing win that game. And like I see, I see, I see nine to ten wins for these guys. I'd I'd love to see them come out in the West. They're my I don't think they do, but. I'm all about P.J. Fleck, and I think uh, yeah, and interesting. It's always interesting to see when you're talking about the other side of the division, the Big Ten West, on who their crossover matchups are on a particular year. Because, yeah, some teams in that division are going to get screwed and have to play the big boys like Michigan, yep. Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, like you said. So they got Michigan State and Penn State. Probably a better year to have those schools rather than Michigan and Ohio State. Um mm-hmm. I don't know everyone's schedule off the top of my head on that side of the division on who's got the two golden boys of the division, uh, you know, who do we call them. But, um, yeah, I think Minnesota, like you said, they have a great chance to make some noise, especially since their schedule is favorable and their division is weaker. I'm going with the Wildcats of Northwestern. I don't think they're going to be fantastic by any means, but they were they the worst fight, team bro. in the Big Ten last yeah. year. Yeah. Um, so they can't get much worse for them. Uh, they even lost to Nebraska last year, giving Nebraska their lone lone win of the season in the conference. So I just think Pat Fitzgerald's the, the X factor for me. Um, they had a down year. I know they've had some a couple really good years under him. I think Pat Fitzgerald's a hell of a coach. I think it's tough for him, even though he's a great coach, to win at Northwestern on a consistent basis because they're just not a sports school first. You know, recruits aren't – you know, driven to them the way they are driven to some of the other top schools in our conference or, you know, the country alone. Um, They play great defense. They do. And that's part of the coaching to me. I think when I think of Pat Fitzgerald, I think of, you know, almost like Aaron Glenn and the Lions staff last year. They get more out of their players than they probably should because the staff's great. They can teach things. Uh, They they play for their coach. And I think I think that's a big reason. So I think Northwestern – well, I don't have them coming anywhere near winning the West uh, side of the Big Ten. I do think they could be that middle-of-the-road team that puts a lot of teams on upset alert or makes teams very uncomfortable on a weekly basis this year. I don't think Northwestern's going to be an easy win for many teams um, this upcoming season. So, Pat Fitzgerald and the Wildcats, you're my most underrated team of 2022. All right, Jordan, and as is the case, usually news breaks almost right before we record. <laughs> and today, uh, Brett McMurphy of the um, 
Action Network uh, kind of came out and talked more about the Big Ten expansion and kind of what's going down. Um, so, as we know, USC and UCLA are already a done deal. They're coming to the Big Ten in 2024. Uh, but what's being reported is Michigan is still pursuing four other Pac or Michigan. The Big Ten is pursuing um, four other Pac-12 teams, along with Notre Dame, which is no surprise given the TV deal that was signed last week for uh, seven billion dollars, which is taking Big Ten games away from ESPN uh, to Fox, NBC, and CBS. Um, but what we've heard um, uh, from this Brett McMurphy report was basically the Oregon um, is a done deal. Big Ten officials met with Oregon officials in Chicago um, earlier this week, and basically they're just going through the legal, uh, you know, transactions of making sure this thing can be done. Nothing's going to block it up. But it sounds like Oregon's basically a done deal. But in this report, it has the Big Ten pursuing uh, three other schools um, outside of Oregon, and that is. Washington, Stafford, Stanford, and Cal. Any of those kind of surprise you? Um, no, just based on location, I would say. I mean, it's all mostly California. <laughs> like, I say, like, and I think what you're trying to see the Big Ten do, and I don't know because they said that this conference could be over 20 teams when all is said and yeah. done. But are are we going to see basically, you know, four pods of six? Are they going to aim for 24 teams and? You know, you have your West Coast pod of six schools being U USC, UCLA, Cal, Stanford, Washington, and Oregon. It would make sense, and it kind of helps the, you know, a lot of concerns was the travel concerns, not specifically for football, but other sports. Oh, yeah. Um, and if you have that Western pod, you know, then the way, you know, they'll work out how schedules work later, but then at least you're keeping some of the conference at least regional to, to an extent. No, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think that's kind of the direction that we're kind of seeing unfold over the next few years is these sub-conferences within a big conference. So um, I, to me, the whole California market, I mean, Pac-12 is kind of getting folded, it sounds like, here in the next few years with just where everyone's going. And then there's the report with the rest of the rest of the Pac-12 trying to go to, you know, Big 12. So, like, the – yeah, the report did note that the Big 12, after kind of learning this news, has been targeting Arizona, Utah, Colorado, and Arizona State, which I'm is kind of no sure surprise. I'm pretty sure that's everybody else, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, maybe Washington State, maybe another school are left, but they're yeah. going to end up in probably something like the Mountain West or something like that. Um, again, I think it's exciting for the Big Ten. Obviously, this is the direction we're going. There's no doubt about it. There's no turning back. Um, so you might as well get some of the other Pac-12 schools involved so you can have that kind of regional pod out there for the conference. Yeah. Um, again, money deals, you're getting California schools. Oregon's always been a big um, attraction. Um, that program is, you know, done very nicely over the last couple of years, especially um, kind of going from the Chip Kelly, you know, speed and spread offense to more of a gritty team, more physical in the trenches. Obviously, guys like uh, Suell with the Lions, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau was a top five pick this past draft, defensive end, highly regarded. So, uh, they're getting good players out there in Oregon. It's only going to make the Big Ten that much more competitive. And then you have to report that, you know, Big Ten obviously still pursuing, no pursuing Notre Dame, which is no surprise with that NBC contract. We'll find that in the next few weeks. That They'll be in the Big Ten for sure. Yeah, and it sounds like it's kind of all aligning for the 2024 season. Like, the Big Ten wants to make this official and have it official for the 2024 season when these, you know, so schedules can start being produced and things like that. I don't know how the conference is going to shake out in terms of how it all gets set up. I don't know if they'll get the 24 teams. That was just um, a prediction on my end. 
Uh, nothing reported there. Um, I know they're looking for at least 20 teams. I'm guessing they're going to have a few more just when all is said and done. And then it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the ACC. Is the SEC going to try and poach teams like North Carolina, Clemson, Florida State, maybe Miami? Yeah. Um, it's going it's to be interesting to see how this plays out because, to me, it makes sense that you would have four power conferences with four playoff spots. I've always said the, the current system doesn't work with five power conferences. Was it going to kind of be like, you know, when the Big East got soaked up by the ACC years ago? Are we going to see the ACC kind of soaked up, even though it probably doesn't have to be? You got a couple good schools in there, but are they going to be soaked up into the SEC and then you're really going to have just three three conferences, uh, Big 12, Big 10, and SEC kind of running for the national championship and then kind of all the other smaller conferences on a, their own island sort of thing. So, Man, if you're not if you're not a top 25, top 50 team in the country, this just sucks for you. It, it really does. <laughs> um, like, I, I like, I'm thinking like of the poor Mac schools. I'm thinking yeah. like, you know, just all these all the one-off schools out there, man. It, it, just the way college is going, college football is going, you really – like Cincinnati, you know, you look at them, for example, like, this is like their worst nightmare in my mind. Like, if yeah. where are they going to go? Are they going to join the Big Ten? Like, say the Cincinnati's hope is they're able to reload somewhat this year, have another yeah. good season, and maybe you know, Big Ten picks them up or something yeah. like that, or the Big Ten. But I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. And I'll keep saying it: if you really are a college football traditionalist like me, enjoy these last two years, man, because it is a change. In it. It's so um, much change. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to kind of see how it all shakes out and. I don't want to become a big NFL guy. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm a big NFL guy. I could use another team since the Lions lose so bit, uh, so much. But yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out, and maybe even you know, all this is done for money purposes. Obviously, maybe we'll see a non-conference schedule where you know we see bigger matchups than Colorado State and Hawaii. Nothing against you know Michigan, <laughs> but yeah, I'm pointing at you, Michigan. Uh, I want to see meaningful matchups most weeks, not uh, not cakewalks every now and then. So, um, but it'll be interesting. Obviously, a lot of changes happening, and uh, that report by Brent McMurphy from the Action Network uh, brought a lot to light of what's going on because we've kind of been in the dark for the last month or so since the uh, USC UCLA news broke. So, it'll be uh, interesting to monitor and see when schools uh, kind of approach and kind of what the SEC's responses to this uh, to this news. All right, and kind of finish off our episode this week, um, you know, getting into the college football season. We thought it would be fun to kind of add a betting segment. You know, um, betting online is now legal in Michigan, and a lot of people uh, like that opportunity. It's fun to do. I like to enjoy it. Um, so I think, uh, you know, if we go through and, you know, name a couple Big Ten matchups weekly, obviously when Michigan starts playing, they're not playing this week, uh, but next week we can obviously – Throw Michigan in there, uh, big big headliners, uh, headline games in the Big Ten, and you know if we get a really good top twenty-five matchup, maybe we'll throw that in there. But uh, we picked three games this week that kind of stood out to us. Um, so obviously, we're not professional gamblers. You know, we're just kind of giving our opinion on what uh, what stands out to us, what we're going to throw a few bucks on. By no means put the mortgage on this, uh, but just to have a throw a few bucks on, have some fun, and you know really kind of enhance and enjoy your football watching on Saturday. Uh, the first actual Big Ten matchup we, we got uh, we like is Nebraska minus 13 and a half at Northwestern, uh, minus 110 odds. Um, and a big reason for this is Northwestern, you know, and I know I talked about them as my underrated team for 2022, and I do think they're going to give some people some headaches. But this is, this is a make it or break it year for Nebraska. Uh, Scott Frost 
has been, you know, supposed to be the savior for years now. It hasn't happened. Nebraska has some talent. They lost a lot of close games last year, despite finishing three and nine. Uh, took Michigan to the wire, took Oklahoma State to the wire, uh, things like that. But um, <clears throat> uh, 0-5 in the last Big Ten. Um, Northwestern is 0-5 in their last five Big Ten games. Um, but, no, sorry, Nebraska is 0-5 in their last uh, big uh, five Big Ten games. But their last win did come against the Wildcats in week five of last season, um, being Nebraska's only conference win. Um, so I'm going Nebraska. They're the most more athletic team on the field uh, compared to Northwestern. They're going to throw uh, give them some fits with that spread offense. I'm going Nebraska minus 13 and a half. Um, another one, uh, the other Big Ten matchup of the week, Illinois does play uh, Wyoming at home. Uh, they're minus 10 and a half right now with 110 odds. And I like I like that game. Uh, I like picking Illinois there minus, minus the 10 and a half points uh, because Wyoming is 0-6 in their last six uh, games against Big Ten opponents, um, which doesn't fare well for them. And Illinois always seems to start the uh, season out on the right track. They are 10-1 in their last 11 season openers just straight up. So I think Illinois being the Big Ten team, uh, being in the major conference, even though they're usually one of the bottom teams in the Big Ten, I think they have the talent uh, at home to kind of beat Wyoming handily, who was kind of on and off last year, hot and cold. Wyoming, when they caught fire, they were hard to stop. But, man, when they got in those cold stretches, they had a tough time digging out of it. So Illinois uh, getting the or, uh, giving the 10.5 points to Wyoming, I think that's a safe bet to put a couple bucks on Illinois. And finally, because there was only two Big Ten games this uh, this week, uh, the last game I'd put some money on is Hawaii. I like them getting the eight and a half points against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt traveling out to Hawaii for this game, so big time change for the Vanderbilt. Um, and Hawaii, in their last 12 games against the spread, they're 11 and 1, so they have been covering the spread. I think eight and a half, you know, over a touchdown is a good, good spread to take, and I think if you want to put a couple bucks on Hawaii, I'll be doing that. So, uh, Jordan, any thoughts on those? You like you like what we're looking at in those matchups? Or? Yeah, for the most part, I think I would actually take Northwestern uh, over Nebraska. So you uh, take the plus 13, yeah, I'd Northwestern take, getting 13 points. Yeah, I, I, I would take that. I think um, – I just think Nebraska is just a dumpster fire. So I – They I, could be. It's time I, to prove it this I, year. Uh, I, I'm not – Frost Frost needs to be frozen. So um, – <laughs> Uh, but I would outside of that, I think you're right with Illinois um, and Hawaii. I think just the time difference and those type of things. And like you said, they're 11 1 covering the spread in the last 12 games. Those would be my takes as well. It's always fun to watch a game in Hawaii given the six hour time difference. <laughs> feel bad for the teams that actually have to travel out. Well, there, that's so. why we uh, adjusted for Michigan, the Michigan game, because we did the night game because we, we wanted to say thank you for playing us so we can beat you by 60. Right, so right. So we converted so. it to a night game. Yeah, hey, it'll be. Uh, it's gonna be fun to have football back this week. Like we said, we'll have a couple. Uh, we'll we'll pick a couple games out each week to kind of throw out there, just to, you know, kind of tell you what we're thinking on and what games we like for the week. And again, don't put the mortgage on it, but a few bucks to have fun and make the games more entertaining. That's what we're here for. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Remember, you can follow us on Spotify or subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts by searching The Victors-Michigan Podcast. Uh, you can also subscribe to Between the Whistles Detroit on YouTube to catch our podcast as well as the rest of your Detroit sports needs. 
Remember, if you want to get involved, we post on Facebook all the time. Uh, feel free to comment on our podcast posts or other posts related to Michigan, and maybe we'll start reading some comments off on this um, on this podcast. And you know, creates more of a conversation. That way, uh, me and Jordan have some more talking points or different perspectives on things to kind of discuss, and it'd be fun to get people involved. So. Um, thanks for tuning in and catch us next week as we break down Michigan's week one matchup against Colorado State. It's finally going to be game week. Woo! Time we talk. Go blue, baby.